Back at it again, ladies and gentlemen. It is Julian Marquez and Kendra Lust with the Beauty and the Beast podcast. Coming with you, very exciting episode. One thing we all love to talk about and all need a little bit more education on nutrition. And we have one of the best, one of the top of the game, one of the most exciting, entertaining, and interesting nutritionists out there. We have Tyler Minton on a guest today. He's in the back lobby. Kendra, how pumped are you that we're going to be talking about the thing we need the most, nutrition? You know, honestly, I'm excited, and it could not come at a better time because I'm here, and I won't go on too much, but I'm in Colombia with BioAccelerator, and essentially, they're telling me everything that I've been eating and I think is, you know, pretty good is shit, so... I am so happy to learn. I, I just ordered a couple books, but they're still like they're in my, I ordered them through Amazon, but I can send them back because they haven't been shipped. So if he has any recommendations, I'm definitely open to it. Um, I'm ready. It's perfect timing for me, but it's not about me. It's about our fans and what we can help them with. So, hey, let's bring them on. I'm ready. What do you got going on? What's that hat say up there? What does it? Uh, forward. It's uh, it, it's from a forward observation uh, group. It's uh, a bunch of um, it's hard to explain. <laughs> it's a bunch of contractors and guys overseas. They have a, a company called Forward Observations Group. And, uh, they put a lot of cool stuff on Instagram. A lot of things you can follow. Uh, they're they're kind of the, the world's most dangerous photographers. They post they they go overseas and post a lot of uh, really cool photos uh, you know, behind enemy lines and things and. Uh, they, they, they made these hats and got them all shipped out and everything goes to, uh, like veteran, uh, um, organizations, all the money that they raise and everything does, but the Patagonia actually gave them a cease and assist because of these hats. Oh, wow. uh, so they're no longer allowed to sell them. So I have to wear as much as possible because I think it looks awesome. So <laughs> that is awesome. Now that I see it, it does look like the Patagonia logo and yeah, yeah. but a little helicopter and. A little bit more Middle Eastern mountains, but well, we think it looks good. Hey, right? I like, I like it. That looks good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, anytime you can you can make a big uh, a big business angry, it's always a cool thing. So, right. Well, you know, it's, it, I don't feel like it's too hard to piss anybody off these days. Everybody's offended about something. Nobody can take a joke anymore. It's like I'm over it. You know, have a sense of humor. Yeah, and, and especially with people like me, I'm a very, uh, I'm very centrist. As, as Julian would tell you, I'm kind of middle of the road on everything, and I live in uh, a very extreme uh, part of the country. So it's a, a you know, I'm constantly making people mad. You're in Tennessee, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Ooh, I like Tennessee. That's um, it, yeah, it's, it's really nice. My uh, uh, professor X's family's from uh, Cookville and Sweetwater, and yeah. Uh, not too far. I'm not far from Cookville, only a couple hours. Nice, awesome. So, so, in Tennessee, Bub, let's like let's go into the background. You weren't born and raised in Tennessee, were you? Yeah, yeah, I was born here. Why do I think you were from Virginia? I don't know why yeah. I thought you were from Virginia. And it's all kind of the same. Like all the, the Tennessee, North Carolina, Virginia, like where I live, I can get to Virginia. And, I can get to Virginia in about 15 minutes. I can get to North Carolina in about 20 minutes. Like, it's, I'm close to all of it. Close to all of it. That's that that works. I mean, you're like on a, a tri-state area, and you can literally go anywhere and claim any of the the spots. I'm right here. I I'm I'd still represent you guys. You know, carry the flags. Yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely wouldn't want to claim Virginia. I'll, I'll claim Tennessee if I have to pick between the two. <laughs> That's awesome. So I was reading a little bit about your um, your story and. Um, I'm not sure, Julian, if you you've uh, you know you know it seems like you know him a little bit more or better than I do. Um, talk to kind of about your journey through um, high school and and you started wrestling in high school. You were kind of a heavier kid, and you said the um, I guess the center of a lot of jokes, which is probably not easy for you. It's, it, I mean, kids are cruel. I think they suck. Um, a lot of them, but there are also some good ones. So anyway, but it sounds like you turned something negative into a positive. So you went through teasing and getting into wrestling, getting fit and healthy, um, a little hiccup with the bulimia, but then you rebounded back into something that you're really passionate about. So um, tell us about that a little bit, if, if you'd like. 
Yeah, of course. And, and I'm open about all that because I think it's important. I think there's too many people in my position that just want to show you pictures of them in their best shape and, and make it seem like they've just always been this just just amazing fitness guru. And, and that's just not me. And I don't ever want to portray that. So um, I was an overweight kid the vast majority of my life. and absolutely sucked. Um, you know, I try to educate parents a lot and uh, on how to keep their kids from being obese, just from the pure fact that it's as kids, you can't really help it. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of things going on, and you don't have the control of any of it, really. You don't do your grocery shopping. You know, you don't you didn't create your own genetics. To, you know, you're you're just given the hand you're dealt. And uh, but kids are cruel, and and it was miserable. I mean, I, I was picked on pretty ruthlessly for for being overweight, and and it sucked. And there's still there's still things even you know I'm, I'm 33 now, and uh, you know I was telling my fiance I can I can remember specific like parts, like specific parts of hallways in middle school where like, I can remember like specific parts of the actual school where I would be uh, like picked on. I can remember the things kids said and all this. I can remember those things. And you know, and it, they never actually leave you. So, uh, so that's why I want to be open about all of that. And uh, you know, I started wrestling in high school. I played football, baseball, and uh, I did some track. I did a little bit of everything. Uh, I didn't really like any of it. I liked football, but I wasn't very good at it. Uh, and then I, I started wrestling just because, honestly, wrestlers were, were just kind of the losers and outcasts, <laughs> and I felt like I could belong. I could belong there a little bit better. Uh, you know, they all dressed like Unabombers, and and uh, none of them were like popular kids. They were just really good at what they did. And and um, I remember they just they invited me to come to to come try, and I did it, and it was the the worst experience of my life. Physically, it was just the, the hardest, most intense thing I'd ever done, and I loved it immediately. <laughs> I just uh, I just recognized that this was a sport where if I could just push a little bit harder, I could still do well. It, it didn't necessarily matter too much about talent. I could just outwork the other people, and, and it, you know that's how it, it ended up being. I was the kid that always stayed after practice and ran more and, and did more drills, and I did everything, and I ended up becoming a decent wrestler because of all the, the, the work I put in. And over one summer, I went from, I guess, my junior year, I was about 212 pounds, and then to start my senior year, I was 176. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was a, a much different person, different attitude. Like I was kind of walking with my shoulders back for the first time in my life because I had some confidence and I felt like I could handle myself if, if you know, if I needed to. And that just gives you a, a different type of confidence for a for schooler. And uh, yeah, I, I just loved it. And I fell in love with the sport, you know, really for that reason. Uh, at that time, I wasn't great at it by any means. You know, I, I'd won a couple tournaments and. And, but it was more of I just liked who wrestling like 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 who it made me and what it made me become, and uh, so then I started diving into everything the nutrition and and, and fitness and everything I possibly could uh, to do it. I started meeting one of the uh, wrestling coaches at like five thirty in the morning at my high school every single morning working out with him. Uh, like we would lift weights at five thirty in the morning, which for a, a sixteen seventeen year old is just unheard of, but. You know, I was I was waking up 4:30 every morning, and driving all the way to the hospital just so I could I could work out before school started, and then have wrestling practice after. So uh, I just dove in and I loved it. I loved. I started packing my own food, taking my own food to school, and I, I just loved everything about it. But like what what happens, uh, especially with people that you know, if you want to, I, I try to stay away from the word. You know, if you want to use the word trauma, like, you know, I, I was very uh, determined and obsessed with never being to get people picked on again. That I put some of those obsessions in the wrong place. And I became obsessed with things like the number on the scale. So then, you know, when I was no longer wrestling, I was still obsessed with what the scale was saying. And I was obsessed with, um, you know, like, like being exhausted. The, the, the idea of going to the gym and not leaving just physically exhausted just Can you guys are you, is it breaking up a little bit for you it, is he yeah. breaking it's going slower than normal but i i'm getting what he's hearing okay just want to make sure okay sorry yeah. guys about that technical We're good. making sure oh, the yeah. wi-fi is okay on your end tyler and julian okay yeah he's, he says he's, it is yeah. okay all right sorry to interrupt you huh <laughs> some technical adversity no you're fine um so yeah i uh 
I, I started becoming like obsessed with the number on the scale and, and just maintaining a certain weight. I was you know, here. I was in college and I was still like waking up early and, and running for an hour before school would start. Then between classes, I would go work out. And then after school, I would, uh, I would, I would go work out and again. Like I was often doing you know, that. I, I remember when the, the movie 300 came out, this is the God honest truth. Me and a friend of mine would, would wake up every morning, go run, uh, go to school, work out between classes, work out after classes, and then go watch the late night showing of 300 and then do it all again. We did that like every day for weeks. We were idiots. Um, somehow managed to also do good in school. I don't know. But uh, I was obsessed with fitness. And then it became an obsession that kind of took control. And I, I started mixing in. I, I was anorexic uh, for a period. I started turning to bulimia some. And, and uh, it was all just focused on I had to see this number to prove to myself and it took a long time to get out of that and honestly one of the things that helped me i started fighting um uh I, that was kind of the, the natural progression for a wrestler to go to is just start uh adding punches and kicks and become a fighter so i started fighting and and you know that kind of gave me something else to focus that obsession towards and um you know and i was going to school for nutrition my, my bachelor's degree is nutrition and dietetics i'm actually back in school now finishing my master's uh, degree in nutrition and food. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's one of those things I've, I've just always been a part of. And uh, I just kind of had to work myself out of that that obsession. And, and instead, now I've kind of turned that obsession and that control. I still, I still love to have control. I, I like to, to know what's going into my body. And I like to do it, you know, to, to, to know everything that I can do to give myself a, an edge aesthetically or performance or health. Uh, but now I've kind of turned the obsession toward business, and and now I'm I'm you know that that obsession kind of goes towards guys like Julian and and other fighters and stuff, and I kind of become obsessive about their their nutrition, so it really helps. <laughs> I kind of wish you were obsessed about my nutrition right now because you guys gave me my month and you won't talk to me, so I'm just throwing that out there. But I'm looking at the scale. I'm we'll, at just, the- we'll get started next week. <laughs> so uh, I did want to talk to you. You know. One of the hardest things when it comes to nutrition, and I know this because your story is similar to mine. Wrestling saved me the same way as it saved you. It made you socially accepted. It made you have confidence in your just your demeanor, your language that you spoke out to people, how you walked, because you knew like if push come to shove, a regular civilian that has no idea what to do, you have some guidance of how to bring that person to the ground and survive to to win. And it's like it, it speaks volume. It gives you that, that confidence. And that's something we all lacked, you know, growing up. And uh, I, I, I see that. I, I do that. So when you said you had, you know, anorexia and bulimia, you know, I never gotten to the point where I, I would get to that death, but I knew a lot of people that would go to that, that edge to make sure they got weight or to make sure that they, you know, looked a certain way, male and female, how difficult is it to, you know, to overcome that type of, you know, obstacle? Because I know you have to have some sort of um, percentage of people that come to you with that type of, you know, tough side of it, you know, and it, they, they entrust you. And how do you, how do you handle that situation? Yeah, man, it's tough. Um, Cause so many people have it and they don't even know. <laughs> And you can't, um, you know, you have to tiptoe around it a lot of times. Some people will just outright admit it. And I have noticed the more I talk about it, the more people will just come out and admit it, which that's one reason I love to talk about it. Um, you know, I owned a CrossFit gym for, for nine years as well, that you know, and uh, I sold it. But I would see it a lot coming into my CrossFit gym as well because it attracts that obsessive uh, fitness community. And it's difficult because I mean, it's really a disease. Uh, it's not something you, you want to do. I mean, no one wants to <laughs> to restrict themselves of of the amount of nutrients they need. No one wants to to make themselves throw up. You know, uh, no one really wants that. You just become, you know, again, you you become so obsessed. Uh, you know, I, I've had people before get real cruel with it. And I talk about it, and you know, be like, well, that's not a disease or anything. Like, you, you could have stopped anytime you wanted to. You, you just cared too much about what the number said. I'm like, well, okay, well, if you think it's that easy, I want you to think of one vice you have. Let's say it's soft drinks, which is a vice for a lot of people now quit. Never touch another one. Like, it's not. Like, we all have our obsessions and and, and those things that, that become habits, and they're hard to break. And 
with things like that, you're not just dealing with a habit. You're dealing with a habit that, you know, like I've found off, often, you know, comes from some sort of, uh, some sort of stress in their past or, or some sort of trauma they've, they've suffered in the past. You know, most of those people have something like that. They have a story like mine or, um, you know, they, they, they had a period where, you know, fitness was the, the, the answer to a problem they used to have and it solved that problem and then it became the problem. And it's hard to get people out of that mindset while still pushing them toward overall health. Because the opposite of anorexia isn't obesity. It's just finding that happy spot in the middle to where we can still eat. You know, you've seen me like now. I eat a lot. I just eat the right things, the things that I need to eat, and I eat the things that are going to make my body perform the way it needs to. And a lot of times, I mean, even still, like that 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 eating disorder brain kind of gets to me sometimes. And like I'm, I'll see what I eat during the day. I actually posted a few hours ago, like what a low calorie day for me looks like, and it's a ton of food. And sometimes you just look at it and, and think, wow, this, this is just so much food. But you just have to remind yourself. And, and what I have to remind people is, well, well, that food has a purpose. You know, like, like the, that, that food has a purpose and you have to put that in so you can fulfill that purpose. And if you don't, you won't be able to, to, to use your body for all that it's capable of. Um, I deal with this, you know, you've heard me with fighters all the time. I tell fighters, like, listen, you're, you're, you're a fighter. You're, you're an athlete that uses your body to hurt another human. You're not a supermodel. Like you're dead. Diet can't look like a supermodel's diet. Your 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 diet has to look like, you know, a, a human killing machine because that's effectively what you are. I mean, you're getting paid to hurt people. You're not getting paid to to have abs or or, or any of that. Like we we have to feed you in a way that you can hurt this other human, you know, bad enough that the ref steps in and says you're done hurting them. Absolutely, and you know, to piggyback on that, I would say that I've used a lot of nutrition, true nutritionists, and you know. I love using you and I always have because I feel like you've gone through the mileage of being a fighter. You know what it's like. You, you trial and error and it's like a, a coach telling you who's never stepped foot in the octagon what to do. It's hard to trust them, but you have someone that literally stepped foot in the octagon multiple times and had to do the diets and has done the diets alongside with everyone. So it brings that comfortability because I, I've been on a diet before where I had the traditional, you know, pyramid, the actual food pyramid. We need to have this much carbs and this much stuff. And this is how much protein you have. You need to X out this. And, you know, my body felt terrible, but I didn't feel like I was losing weight. And it was just mentally exhausting. But, like, do you think what lacks in education growing up is the proper form of eating? Because I feel like when I grew up, in taking foods class, it was just like, oh, this is, you, here's your fork, here's your knife, this is what a plate should look like, this is how much food it is, but everyone had the same course. It wasn't telling you like, hey, man, it's, if you eat meat and clean meat, you can have a little bit more, but if you go have that, you know, chicken patty from Chicken Patty Wednesday with mashed potatoes, that's a little too much. Double orders or the spicy chicken or the Bosco sticks, like, you know, how do you like, do you think that's a big issue with society today is that we don't know what to eat? We're just comfortable with eating the most convenience? Yeah, but but I'll be honest with you. I, I'm feeling that it's less that way because by now, everyone might not know what to eat, but everyone kind of knows not, you know, like what not to do. So one thing I do a lot in my consultations, like if I'm doing an in-person consultation, I'll actually pull out a piece of paper. I don't do a whole lot of these anymore, but I'll do this. Same thing over the phone. On a piece of paper, I want you to write down 10 things that you're doing that you absolutely know are keeping you from your goal right now. Everyone can come up with 10 things. They write them down immediately. Like, okay, for 30 days, stop doing that. And then, like, people look at me like, that's it. I'm like, yeah. So here's the thing. If you've already come up with 10 things you know you're doing that you shouldn't be doing and you know these things are, are standing in your way, like you need to attack that before I start giving you all this new information. You're not ready for new information if you can't even eliminate the things you know you shouldn't be doing. So I think people just need to first, I think people need to find ways to get out of their own vices and, and, and those things that they know. And then it does become a little bit more fine tuning. So the average, the, the, the general population, a lot of it is simply you know, uh, an obesogenic lifestyle, meaning they're sedentary, 
they're eating way too much processed foods, uh, um, quick grab and go foods, um, the, these high calorie, low volume meals. And uh, really, if we just start eliminating that, then, then that makes a difference. And I try to meet people where they're at. You know, uh, I had a guy once that was drinking seriously three two liters of Coca-Cola a day. So this guy was drinking six liters of Coke a day. So if I went in like your, you know, like this gung-ho, you know, diet guy, and it's like, all right, dude, you got to stop drinking soft drinks now, and they're going to kill you. It wasn't going to work. So what we did, we literally went down by half a liter a week. Um, so I okay, you're going to do five and a half liters of, of Coke for a week. Then you're going to do five liters of Coke for a week. And we went down to where he was doing two liters. And this guy was losing like five, six, seven pounds a week just by cutting out his, his soft drinks. We didn't even touch his food yet. And by the end of it, I had the guy drinking three, uh, three cans of Coke Zero a day. And a lot of people out there will just give me this, this, big, this, this big mess about how diet drinks are worse for you than regular. There you go. How diet drinks are worse for you than regular drinks. <laughs> you know, and I go through that a lot. You've, you've probably seen on my Instagram, I'll get in these arguments with people saying that, that you know, diet drinks are worse for you than regular drinks. First off, no, they're not. They're, you're not going to find a single conclusive study on humans that's ever showed that. Second of all, I'm trying to attack, uh, you know, the, the number one, you know, leading cause of preventable death, which is overweight and obesity. So, yeah, they are going to be much, much better for you because they're going to cut your calories down. So I try to meet people wherever they're at in the general population and just help them get through their habits. I talk about habits a lot because it's all just establishing better habits. Um, with fighters, it's a little bit different because we have to cut those habits out and we have to deal with all the metabolic damage that happens every time, you know, like someone's cutting weight or especially if I get someone who uh, they have never worked with me before. And I'll actually use Julian here as an example before he was using, um, you know, like we start working together and I just recognize, you know, a lot of metabolic dysfunction. Um, and that's where, you know, you treat your body poorly, whether it's, you know, you're just, you know, you're, you're going through weight cuts, you get heavy, you get light, you get heavy, you get light, you have super stressful training days, uh, you're not sleeping good, you're, you know, all these things, they start to kill your metabolism a little bit. So one of my goals with, with you and with a lot of my fighters is to still allow you to make weight, but we solely want to repair your metabolism in the process. And that's tricky. And that's why I told you when you you went and got your metabolic uh, testing done, and we actually saw your metabolism had improved even you know after three back-to-back -back weight cuts. To me, that was cooler than you make weight because uh, that showed that not only did you you know you make weight three times in a row, but you healed your metabolism in the process, and that's hard to do. Um, so with fighters, we have to be a little bit more finicky and a little bit more detail-oriented. Uh, but the general population, I, I truly think it's a lot easier than people. Necessarily I think the issue is they're listening to the wrong people and they're there. I think they're listening to the wrong people and they're not finding sustainability. <laughs> so they're trying to follow these extreme diets out there that just aren't sustainable. They do them for three weeks and they give up because, you know, who wouldn't, you know, if I had to just do nothing, drink, drink juice every day for, for a week, I'm going to give up too. Cause that sucks. Um, you know, they're just not realizing like, hey, you can still eat a lot of the things that you really like. We just need you to also eat a lot better things. Uh, a quote I use, you know, I tell my clients often is, you know, like you are what you repeatedly do, not what you occasionally do. If you're if if you're regularly following a good, healthy diet, and then every now and then you have a cheeseburger and fries, you're going to look like someone who follows a healthy diet. You're not going to look like someone who eats cheeseburger and fries all the time. That being said, if you're constantly eating cheeseburgers and fries, but every couple of days you start a diet for a couple of days, you're going to look like someone who occasionally diets. So it's all just about establishing habits and consistently sticking with those habits. That's so the truth. I was going to say, so I'm going to turn into a cheesecake because that's all I've been eating the last few days. What is it? You are what you eat? You know, remember those old commercials where they say you are what you eat and the person's like walking around as a donut or. Oh my God. You guys remember those commercials? You ever seen that? <laughs> Oh man, you know, uh, that's hilarious. Because like this past month, this past month, everyone's like, just go ahead and eat, enjoy it. Well, look, I was on a diet for eleven months, and we've changed my entire life. We went from two fifty five to one eighty six multiple times, um, one eighty four 
on another one. I just want to throw that out there. Thank you guys very much for stuff making me suffer. But we made weight uh, a bunch of times, and like <laughs> now the diet that I have is. I literally have like, I've just started eating shit just to eat it because I want to enjoy it. Cause I know that whenever Tyler hits me up, it's like time to diet. I know that I'm going to lose all of that excitement of having a quit trip, you know, Buffalo cheese stick or a, uh, you know, a spicy chicken sandwich or a jalapeno popper when I go out to eat. And plus I've been living, I've been on the road and living through DoorDash and like restaurants for a while. So I, I'm, I'm in it, but, uh, yeah, I, I get that. I understand that so much more now that if, you know, when we were sustaining the diet between camp uh, from the Maki fight till now, we were eating healthy and then I still would have some cheat meals and all of a sudden we had another fight and we were back on it and I was able to lose that weight a lot faster. Um, and it was, I was like you said, a guy that is on a diet for a few days, having one cheat meal and going back, it's still leaving a diet lifestyle. And, it's about discipline, and I, right now I don't have discipline. I need your help. Yeah. Well, to, to, to piggyback on that, too, I had a client that checked in with me today, and she said, you know, I'm still still losing one pound to 1.2 pounds a week. She's like, but I have to be honest, you know, I've, I've been having a couple of cheat meals every week. She goes, I'm sorry, I'll really, I'll, I'll clean that up. I was like, what do, you, what do you mean you're sorry to clean that up? I'm like, what you're telling me is you're making progress and and you're still able to fudge the plan a little bit i'm like don't like keep doing what you're doing like don't change anything we're making progress and you're 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 having a couple knots where you're you're with your family and stuff and you know life gets in the way and you're just not able to follow the plan to me that's perfection that's what i would actually rather you you know like i would rather hear that than someone say hey i'm losing a pound a week i'm doing everything 100 percent on because then i know we don't really have any room to change to, to once they stop losing weight, we can only get stricter or, or, or more strict or change things. But I love hearing that, that people are getting success and they're still, you know, like losing up a little bit. I like that too, because I think it helps to keep people motivated too. So, you know, they've done well for three weeks, you know, I'm gonna, it's, and I think, and I, I don't know, I know a little about nutrition, but not to the extent that, uh, you know, you do. However, you know, it does incentivize people. They, you know, um, feel like they can indulge. And then I think that, or at least for me, then I'm more inclined to stay on track, okay? Because, you know, I have a little reward and I'm back to the grind. And it doesn't ruin all three weeks of success. You know, it's a cheat meal, not a cheat day. And it's not like the largest cheat meal. And it's, I think, moderation, right? Everything in moderation. Absolutely, absolutely. Hmm. That's that's I like to use people, you know, there, there's not enough people kind of talking about that. Go ahead. Well, I was saying, I, I, I like using the things with you. Cause I mean, there's times where on our diet, like I feel like I'm going to get scolded by him and James through my diet. I was like, damn, I ate a lot of cheese this week, man. I, cheese is my weakness. They've all know I have one weakness. It's not candy. It's not anything. It's cheese. And, um, you know, I feel like I'm going to get scolded. I think that's what you guys do very well, or you do very well when it comes to the nutritional diet. It's like, hey, it's okay, man. Like, hey, just you can have cheese. I know it's not on the diet, but just like, just don't overdo it. And, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't overdo it. There's times I've done, don't overdo it. I've done, overdid it, but, you know, I still made weight. That's all that matters. <laughs> Boom. That's it. Yeah. But, but if, I made that a, if, if I made that a forbidden fruit, <laughs> And said, absolutely, do not touch this. You cannot have it. You're more likely to do it. They've they've done studies, and and this is this is important. So they've they've done studies on on toddler uh, toddler girls whose parents uh, restrict like quote unquote bad food from them, who actually and use negative language like, hey, we can't eat that because we can't eat that because it can make you healthy. And what they've shown is those, those those toddler girls are more likely to a find ways yeah. to get it elsewhere, and b are more likely to be heavier later in life. And what you know that tells you two things: you know, when you restrict something, and someone you know they they, they start to want that forbidden fruit, they're going to get it. And two, that negative self talk starts to play a factor later in life, and and you know it, it sticks with them. So you know that that's something that you know I, I have a toddler, and it's it's it's. He's my favorite client. He, he's so much fun. 
because, you know, it's just constantly playing mind games on, on nutrition. And, and he just does anything like it, it blows my mind how easy it is sometimes when I first, um, you know, like when I first started working, working with him and, and, and he's not mine by, by blood, but he's, you know, he, he's very much, very, very much my son. Uh, so he was one and a half when I first met him and he was a very picky eater. So I really want goal of just changing all these things and, and just introducing him. So I had to start working from scratch and, and getting all the planting all these little seeds into his head. So first, uh, you know, like he's seeing me work out all the time. He's really interested in being big and strong, like, you know, like all little boys are. So then I'm like, okay, well, that, that's easy. So now every time I wanted him to eat protein, we would just talk about like, hey, you need to eat protein. No, we just say, hey, this is you know, what I eat to get strong. This is what's going to help you help you get strong. So he immediately, as a as a at that time about two years old, he's a, he's associating protein with strength, and uh, you know we we were he was associating this this kid is now he's three and a half and he can tell you that protein helps you get strong, carbohydrates give you energy, and fat's good for your hormones. He doesn't even know what hormones are, but he just knows that fat's really good for those. So like like he just he's eating these things, you know, for their benefit and not even realize that. And I've had this kid. I've, I've cooked fish with the head still on it and he's just sitting there eating the fish. He'll eat, you know, like when I go hunting, if I get a deer, he eats venison, his favorite foods, mussels. He'll just sit there and like crack the mussel open and eat it. He just, I you saw know, that it, it, on your Instagram of you actually shooting. It was a bow, right? It was an archery or it was a shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. With him. Yeah. <laughs> Man, you, you take him hunting. Uh, he's not, he's not old enough yet. It's like, it's like right now I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm teaching him an appreciation of weapons just so he knows. Um, and when he's old enough, he can kind of, you know, learn that hey, these things are extremely dangerous. But he already knows that. So then we can kind of get more into how to use them. So also, I think that's important. I think having a having a personal relationship with the food you eat is important. So he helps me cook, too. So anytime I'm cooking, I, I try to get him to help me. So if he did it. He wants it. Um, you know, if he makes it, it doesn't matter what this kid makes. He wants to eat it because he personally did it. And, you know, anyone, you know, who doesn't buy into that, if you ever have a kid make you anything, it's the coolest thing on earth. It doesn't matter. They, they, they hand you a, a paper plate that they glued together and, and put some, some dust on. They hand it to you and they think it's the coolest thing in the world because they made it. Yeah. And it is the coolest thing. And they do that with food, too. You have to eat it. Like, if they made it, like, they want to see the look exactly. at it. Like, oh, yeah, did you like it? Did you like it? Exactly. I know you both got some horror yeah, stories. Yeah, exactly. So, so. Give me some food horror stories that the little ones made. Come on, let me let me hear it. Let me hear it. <laughs> well, honestly, he just he just makes the things that I, like, I help him cook. So he cooks with me. So it's not been too bad, but there's been many times that he I've looked over and he's like bought a piece of raw chicken and shoved a piece of raw chicken in his mouth before it was cooked. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, like he just, he, he got to it before I could. So, we, you know, we had to really, really drill and food safety to him and, and all that. Cause he just loves to, you know, he's, he's like all of us who like to cook. He, he loves to taste while he cooks. And so there, there's been several times that, that I've had to you know, like pull a piece of like raw bloody deer meat out of his hands or something right before it was about to enter his mouth. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't think oh, I've ever no. gone hunting. I've never had deer, deer meat or anything that's wrong by my body. I, sushi. I love it. So it's sushi. I guess sushi's right, but it's not deer. Yes, it's not. You know, I liked what you talked about, Tyler, when you said, you know, as far as, you know, negative self-talk around food. Because I think we do this, I mean, just with, with kids or just in general, like, oh, I can't have that. It's bad. And I feel like we should – think about how we talk about food in front of our kids because they pick up on it. So it's like, you know, or even like with discipline, like you're, you know, he's a bad kid. No, the kids are always good. It's their behavior that you don't like, you know? So, so I guess the point is I like how you, yeah. you talk about it. Like if you restrict a kid, there's a couple of kids in the neighborhood every time they come to my house. Cause I keep a candy dish out. Okay. Because I have a little one and if 
you know, she wants candy. It's there. I'm not going to sit and micromanage what she eats, you know, that type of thing. I try to encourage healthiness. But I think if you don't do that, then that's those are the kids that are sneaking in them in their pockets because I find them in the bathroom garbage downstairs. And, you know, and I'm like, who the heck? And I say, okay, so-and-so is here. And they shove it in their pockets. They don't get it. You know, they're restricted. And um, it shouldn't be food shouldn't be good or bad. It should just be this is a better choice. This is healthier. This is whatever, those types of things. So I like that. I think yes. that whole finishing, I was looking at your Instagram, you have to finish what's on your plate. That is so old school mentality. No, you don't. Okay. When you're full or you're satisfied, you can be done and that's okay. You know? So I don't like that. Um, personally. It's crazy. Cause my family growing up, like I have a lot of fam, like being a Hispanic family, they love, and we love each other very like, like everybody comes by, everybody's hanging out. Everybody's every time we get together, it's always a party. But families sometimes, like Italian families are the same, is that we love you through food. So we want to feed you more and more. Yeah. And even though you're full, you just, you're, you're, my grandma always says that she's a, she's a giver. She's a, she's a server for you. And she constantly would say that. And it gets to the point where like, yo, I'm on a diet. Like I cannot eat this. Stop. Like she's wanting to cook. She's wanting to add this. She's yeah. you're saying I can only eat this amount. She's trying to throw in, you know, chocolates, breads. Uh, pasta. She's like, I can make you your own little cake. Like, I'm, I'm not joking on all these things that she's trying to get you to eat, even though you keep saying no, no, no. And as a kid, you're just like, yes, yes, yes. And I didn't know the difference. Like, I would finish a plate of rice and beans, and then she was like, you want more? And I'm like, oh, I'm a little hungry. I'd like more. And then it's there's no portion control. It's just yeah. boom. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you have to finish it or not. It's just. When you're done with that and you're full, they're like, oh, do you want dessert? And as a kid, you're like, oh, yeah, I would love some dessert. I would love some bateles. I would love some guayaba. And then you just constantly just training yourself to eat and just shove your face with everything. And it's just there's a lot of families out there that that love you through food. And I think that's what makes it difficult with us and the dieting part as well. Yeah, and it's it, it's such an ingrained thing if you look at our ancestors and so too, food is, is, you know, like we, food's an expectation for us. It's, it's just so easy to get. We can get on our phone and order food in a heartbeat. To them, food was a priv- like, like more of a privilege. It wasn't a riot. You know, a lot of us, especially our grandparents, like food's something that, you know, sometimes you had and sometimes you didn't. And if you did, it meant you worked really hard for it and you got a little bit lucky maybe even. So to them, food is a sign of kind of success and, and it's it's where everybody kind of gathered so like everyone was going away all day and working and the kids were going to school and then you gather at the end of the day as a family and you eat together so it, to them it does i mean it symbolizes success and, and, and love and all those things and, and that is tough my mom is the best cook i know period and you know i live in the, the appalachian mountains so i mean she cooks appalachian food it's not healthy oh, wait. and it's her- yeah those the lard yeah. with I'm sorry to cut you off, but I just thought okay the bacon gravy you you make your bacon right you the, yeah. the remains you make your yeah. roux get that going you add your fl- yeah but Chris go for them biscuits yeah Ooh. Chris go with them. yes yes you make you make whatever the fattiest thing is first and you cook everything else you cook yeah. everything else in the fat that's kind of the way and and to her she loves that like she loves being able to give people food she loves when they love it. And I see that with me, Julian. Probably don't even I swear that's my mom. I give fighters food, and I, I wonder if they like it. Like, I'm a hey, did you like it? It almost bothers me if they don't say it, so I have to ask them because I want to know that they enjoyed it. Yeah. Like, I don't want to give someone something that sucks. Like, like it makes sure they like it. Um, you know, and it is tough. It's really hard to get through that. Um, you know, but you know, we kind of, kind of maybe appease our grandparents sometimes and stuff. But it's kind of a cultural shift that we kind of have to change with our own kids and and. Um, what you said too, I, I t- talk about it a lot. Food isn't moral. Like there's no, there's no moral connection to food. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're constantly telling kids good food and bad yeah. food, you know, one thing, the one thing that's so ironic to me, think about it as parents, it's, it's often that, you know, I, I see it and I've done it before. So the food that we consider bad food is usually the food that we use to reward kids for good behavior. So like candy's bad for you. You shouldn't eat candy. <laughs> but if you go do this really good thing, I'm going to reward you with this bad food. <laughs> that causes a lot of confusion. Yes. Um, and, that, and that's just the thing. 
I never thought about it like that. Yeah. I never thought about it. That's like true. And we, we, we just start putting this moral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We start putting these morals on food and, and these kids, you know, I guess it's, well, that's, that's bad food. Well, okay. Well, what does that mean? If the kid down the street's always eating bad food, I don't mean he's a bad kid. He's a kid. And you know, it, it doesn't matter. And, and we tend to just put the, these morals associated with food and they last. And that's what happens with eating disorders. You know, you have this bad food, you eat it. And then you feel bad about yourself for eating it because you just made a moral mistake. So then what happens? You feel bad about yourself. You, 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 your confidence goes down. You're depressed. You're stressed. What do you do? You turn to that food that you feel like you deserve. You don't feel, you know, you don't deserve good food because you, you, you're not a good person because you're making bad choices. And it just creates this feedback cycle of just, you know, you keep shoving bad food in and it starts at a very, very young age. And I think a lot of people, when they listen to this too, they'll, you know, if they have that opinion now, they can probably think back to when they're kids and realize that it's something that their parents definitely unintentionally, no parent would, would purposely yeah, ever do that. No, I never think like, um, but just that, that culture. Creates. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, obviously like our parents, you know, we're trying to do better than what they did and their parents, you know, and I, it's a trickle down effect and, you know, some are just so damn stubborn. They won't change shame on you guys. Cause you guys know who you are, what parents you are. Like, it's okay. Like to be firm on certain things, but sometimes you have to adapt because we're in a different world guys, you know, and some of the moms too, not just dads, Absolutely. but I think, you know, sometimes it's a little more difficult for them to, to make the change. I, that's kind of crazy. Cause like, I never really realized it. And as you sat there, I'm going through my head of all the times that I'm like, Oh shit. Like that's why I don't really like chocolates and sweets. Um, because of, I correlated it with bad and horrible. And during wrestling, like you don't want to eat this. It's going to be tough to cut. It's going to be harder to lose. And it's like, oh shit, like you, you, then I don't, that's why I don't eat it. Like there's a few things in this world I will never touch. And it is syrup. And I will never touch um, chocolate and during camp. And those are the things like I never will go through that syrup 100% of the time, but chocolate, it's just both sugars. And I think they're bad foods. Well, yeah, I think a lot of high, uh, what is it I was reading about this high, oh gosh, I can't even say it, fructose, corn syrup, or corn syrup, like all these things that they put in these low fat things. And I realized like now after, you know, I don't know, I'm here at BioAccelerator, it took me this long, but it, it increases inflammation and it's really bad for your, your heart and whatever. It's all terrible. It's all crap. So I guess we can no, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's it- yeah, it's just, uh, it's just wild. Food is, food is the most powerful drug on earth. I mean, it just absolutely is. So, you know, like I tell people like food's medicine and the type of medicine you take is going to dictate your behavior. And, and I mean, it really is that you, you see it all the time. You know, it was, uh, I've always had a real hard time, you know, talking, I, I'm, I'm Christian, you know, I'm Christian. I've, I've been in church my whole life and, even as a kid, it, it always kind of struck me really odd when an obese pastor would would condemn people for drinking. I'm like, well, like you have a bit of addiction yeah. yourself to food, you know, man. Like it's it's you know it's not, and that's that's honestly I use that with a lot of people. Anytime I hear people, I love to throw that with joy and just laugh. I love to use that with people. Um, when, when I see people judging people for any addiction, drug use, or anything like, that. and I grew up, you know, I can like in a, in a very judgmental type community. And, you know, the South is, is that way. Really, America is that way. And you would think, oh, that, that, that homeless person, they're just a druggie. And you're like, well, what are you talking about? You're addicted to, to Pepsi or, you know, like you're, you're addicted to chewing gum even. Like little things. It's like we all have our addictions. You, you know, like, the, you know, you're just lucky that yours isn't that bad. But statistically, you know, if your addiction is food, it's more likely to kill you than the, you know, the, the drug addict, you know, addiction is. So. Yeah, I think it's easy for people to point the finger, but, and I'm not, and I don't knock church or anything like that, but I just feel like if you shouldn't judge, and that's the last place people should judge, you know, you should be calling people out, especially in church, it's a little hip, hypocritical to me, um, you know, because none of us are perfect, obviously, there's one supreme, whatever it is that you believe, so yeah, that part is, that is tough, you know, because you're right, we all have stuff, we all have shit, you know, Um and that just makes us who we are. But I think, you know, lack of education is, um, I guess, 
when I think about why people judge, it's because lack of education and not, you know, they don't know. So they, it's, they're quick to judge. So I feel like perfection is uh, like a subjective type of yeah. deal. And it's like, you know, to me, what I find perfect may not be the same thing as Tyler, what you find perfect in the same thing as you, Kendra. Yeah. So like, I, I believe people just feel like it's okay to give their opinion and like it's wanted by everyone for you to give your opinion about your, for like your version of perfection. So like when someone is in power, they feel like everyone should hear them out and understand their version of perfection. Like, you know what, you got to work out a little bit more. No, or you can't eat that stuff because this is how it should be. It's like, no, not really. It's just, as I'm learning on here, it's, it's not about that. It's about moderation control and just not being an asshole when you eat or not being an asshole with whatever, you know, controlled substance you have. Um, whether that be eating a lot of cheese like me or, or chewing a lot of bubble gum like some or smoking cigarettes or chewing tobacco. Like it's just, they're all, or drinking, like they're all addictions. But I think in moderation, you can still, you know, go through it. Now I don't, I don't condone smoking. I don't like smoking. That's me. But if you smoke, go for it. Uh, but our, I feel like a people a lot of, are very open now with social media that they can go out there and tell you like, oh, this is how you should look or this is how you should do it to get these six-pack abs or this is how it's going to go down if you continue to eat this. And it's like it, it makes you almost hate your lifestyle because of you're not like that influencer or that supermodel. Yeah. There's- yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No doubt. Yeah. I'm just saying the pressure is. No, I was just saying you get those. Sorry, I was, my phone was mine was breaking out. Go ahead. Oh, I'm I sorry. Said, go ahead. I want to hear what you what you think about that. But I'm, you know, the pressure of social media and what people should be. You know, I just there. You know, I'm going to be what I want to be. But um, but yeah, it is hard, especially on young kids. You know, and teenagers and. Yeah, it's it's so it terrifies me. I have a like I, said, I have a three and a half year old and a, a, a nine month old, and honest to goodness, like the thing that terrifies me most is them growing up in, you know, ironically, the the world that I I used to thrive on. If it wasn't for social media, I wouldn't have much of a business. It's my number one uh, revenue. You know, like like Instagram is where I get more clients than anything. And it can be such a beautiful place. I mean, I, I, I try to use my Instagram for positivity and, and to teach people this, but it's not always that way, sadly. And, you know, like uh, I hope my kids can, can, you know, that they can avoid, you know, when they are old enough to have that kind of thing, they can avoid those people that are out there just to make you feel bad and, and to judge you. But man, I see that so much in my profession, you know, it's just uh, just telling people, hey, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. I'm like, yeah, like we realize that, but teach us how to not do that. Like, yeah, I realize I probably shouldn't be eating all that thing. Like I said, for the first 30 days, I like people, hey, like I want you to eliminate those things that you know you shouldn't do. And then what usually happens at the end of that 30 days, I get to learn all the things they could easily get rid of, but then they start to tell me the things that they couldn't get rid of. And then we can start tackling why. Okay, like why was that hard to get rid of? Like, well, you know, like every day after work, uh, I always, I always drink two beer. Okay. Well, what is it about that? that does, do you have, do you have a stressful job or, you know, like is your home life stressful when you get home? So I start to be able to figure out exactly what it is that's triggering these people to keep them from being able to give up these vices. But, uh, but, but with social media and stuff, there's too many influencers and people in my industry who just want to tell you what's bad and, and, and make you feel bad for doing it, but they don't want to actually help you. It's like a, it's like a counselor, like a marriage counselor, a counselor who, who just helps you bring all, all these things out, but then doesn't tell you how to deal with them. Um, you know, like you see that in the nutrition thing constantly. I'm like, okay, well, you know, you told this person it's bad to overeat. Like they probably understood that, but now what are you going to do to help them solve that problem? And, and, and go forth and have no issues. And, and that's what I try to do. And I try to do it again without a, a moral connection to it. Because again, it's not, I mean, it, it's, I mean, if I'm being honest, I can think right now in my head, I won't say it, but honestly, the, the happiest, friendliest is obese. So like, if we're going to sit here and say that this has some moral 
obesity has some some moral connection or what we'll know like i can i can tell you many many people who prove that wrong it doesn't like you you should strive to be healthy for your own benefit and i've told people before and i've actually told this person i'm like hey like like i know you're happy and, and you offer you know you you have a lot to offer the world I want you to improve the way you eat so you can be around longer to keep spreading all that love and, and all that positivity. Um, like you're, you're fine how you are. And then that's one thing I, I hate the whole, uh, I hate the health any size movement. Um, like, like, like because it's a little too extreme telling people at any size you can be, well, no, that, that's simply not true. Um, the message should be at any size you can be beautiful. Well, yeah, that, that's absolutely true. Like at any size you can be happy. Well, yeah, you can be at any size, you know, you can be a, a great person. Absolutely. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you like you can be healthy. Like, well, no, you can't. And in fact, what you're doing is, is, is keeping you from using all those gifts that you have and all that beauty that you have and the positivity and the love, like, like the way you're eating is going to make it really hard for you to do those you know, like well, well, well into a later age. And you know, I've told people before, like, hey, I, you know, like, I really like, like you. I, I want you to be around until you're 100 years old. So let's try to improve the way you eat so you can keep doing that. How do you tackle that? Because, like, like, for instance, you know, I have family members that, you know, that are a little bit on the, the obese side. And there's a lot of complications. They're getting elder or they're getting older and things like that. But how do you tackle with it to somebody that that's been around for a long time that it's hard to change their ways? Like we're doing diets. They've, they've done diets and it's just the same typical response. Like anybody else would give is, you know, I did this diet just doesn't work for me. I don't like carbs. I do this one and this is easy. I can eat as much meat as I want. Cause it doesn't, it, it almost has that, that, uh, you know, that negative talk about these foods and you created this like negative um response to these foods that you don't want to eat how, how do you attack to help benefit someone's life that's in that type of position yeah so so a lot of it is is i think their goals are wrong so if you're in your 50s or 60s and let's say you have 100 pounds to lose like that seems impossible and it and not only that it, it seems like and it, it probably is truthful that like the lifestyle change you're going to have to do to do that for some people it's it's just not worth it like they're like i have no interest in being that person like i don't want to give up the things um because they are happy it's, it's even harder if someone's happy you know <laughs> but what they don't realize is a three percent reduction in body weight so if you're obese just losing three percent of your body weight greatly, greatly improves health statistics and increases your lifespan. That's only 3%. And a lot of people don't know those things. They're only looking at numbers like I have to lose 100 pounds. I'm like, no, like, like, like you really don't. Can you lose 5 or 10? Okay, awesome. Let's try to lose 5 or 10, and then let's try to maintain it. So what you find is when people start making these little changes, and then you really try to get them just to maintain those changes, once that new change becomes a habit, it's, it, it's stuck. It's not something that, that's going to be hard anymore. Well, then they can start tackling new habits. <laughs> you know, so, so habit one might be, hey, let's just keep eating the way you're eating, but let's try to get in 10,000 steps every day. Don't change your diet whatsoever. Let's just try to be less sedentary and try to burn more calories so we're using that fuel differently. And then once that becomes a habit, and 10,000 is a pretty lofty number for, some, for someone who's just jumping in, but... <laughs> Then after that's just a habit, they, they start to see a little bit of success with that and they're feeling good. I'm like, okay, well, how many diet or how many how many soft drinks do you have a day? Like, can you can you cut one out? Or, you know, like can you can you cut a snack out? I just try to find a little, little, small tiny habits that we can change for healthy habits. And then once that healthy habit's stuck, then we try to change other things. Like, don't look for a long-term big goal. Just look for little goals that they can maintain and keep adding It's crazy that. you say that. Um, and Absolutely. Go ahead. Uh, it's crazy you yeah, say that. It's, well, it's, 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 it's family's the hardest because you have to – sorry, I'll keep talking. Family's the hardest because you have to do it for them sometimes. Sometimes you just have to make the change for them. you got to cook it for them. You have to – go go walk with them. Like maybe you tell them, Hey, I need you to go walk every morning for 30 minutes. 
well, you might just have to do it with them. Like, like you have to show them you believe in them. You have to, 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 to do all that with them sometimes. And that, that makes it tough. That's what, that's what it do. The thing is, is that like, I watched a video that kind of piggyback on what you said. It's crazy. You said it, but I watched the video a few years ago and a guy was talking about change and how to create change. And he said, a hundred percent of people that say they're going to start a diet fail. Said a hundred percent. If you if you come to me and you say, "Hey, I'm going to do a diet," I know that you're failing. One hundred percent. You get may go hard for two months, may go hard for three months, but you're going to fail. You're going to give up on that diet, and you're going to go back to the same habits you are. He's like, in order to create change, you have to uh, make a habit, and you have to create this habit. And he's like, you know, you're going to laugh at me, but how I changed my life is I started off by saying, "I'm never going to have candy corn the rest of my life." And everybody laughed at him, and they were like, you know, well, why'd you do that? And he looked at everyone, and he's like, look, I don't eat candy corn. And when it's out there, sometimes I eat it during Halloween, but it's easy to get rid of that because it's already gotten rid of. Like, I've already gotten rid of it. And then he stated that – he stated that then later on it was like, all right, I'm never going to drink, you know, Dr. Pepper. And he's like, I, he didn't really drink Dr. Pepper. Sometimes he drank it, you know, occasionally when he's out. And then, um, you know, he would drink Coke and all this other stuff. Then he said, like, after a few months when he was ready for it, he moved into saying, all right, I'm not going to drink soda outside or not going to drink soda inside. I'm only going to drink soda outside my house. And then you just kept adding on to this. And he goes, now I don't I don't drink soda. I don't do anything. I made these habits where I trained my body to stay away from these these things that it's not that I don't like them. It's just I don't want them anymore. They don't they're not part of my life and I don't really need them. And I don't crave them. Yeah, and 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 when you identify like like specific ways, so we'll take my, my own father. I want to say my dad started in school when he was like twelve years old, and he's in his fifties now. What is that? <laughs> and, uh, tobacco, like tobacco, like you put in your lip. It's called it. oh, dip skull. I thought dip skull, like uh, like a, a, a disease or something. Chewing stuff. Like um, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> my whole life, and he would make it, he would like, oh, I haven't had it in seven days. I haven't had it in eight days. They, just my whole life. And then I remember about a year ago, he just told me one day, he goes, hey, I, I haven't had, I haven't had a dip in, in seven days. I'm like, dad, quit counting. I'm like, stop counting. And he goes, he, he was like, Why? <laughs> I was like, what's the longest you've ever lasted? I can't remember what he said. He's like, like 32 days. Like, okay, so in your head, you just think, okay, I have to beat it past 32 days. I said, Dad, ask me ask me how many days it's been since I've dipped skull. And he knows I don't do it. So he was like, how many? I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't do it. I don't use tobacco. I'm like, it's easy because I don't use it. That's how I want you to start identifying as someone who just doesn't use it. Like, so I told my dad, I said, from now, tell your friends how many days you've gone without it. Quit telling me because I don't care. I don't care how many days you haven't used tobacco. I just care that you're not a tobacco user. And it seems to me that you're not. I'm like, because I don't see tobacco around you right now. You're not a tobacco user. And uh, so then I started, I started, I would test him. I would like text him. I'm like, how many days since your last dip? He goes, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't use tobacco. <laughs> um, and he's like a year now. Like he's, he's not had it in over a year and he don't even, and he really, he don't care anymore. And he said, literally, that little mental switch just changed everything for him. Once he started seeing himself as someone who just doesn't use it, rather than someone who's done without it for X amount of days. You know, if I say, like, hey, I haven't had this in seven days, it means I'm someone who was once addicted to this, but I'm slowly breaking that addiction. Whereas if I say, like, oh, no, I just don't do that. That is it just kind of gives myself those little hints that, hey, you don't yeah, really it's, need it. It's mental. I think a lot of it is. And I think that's where a lot of these these addictions and, and things come from, obviously. It's they're, they're rela- mentally or some are, are, you know, neurologically we're just wired that way, like some of them. However, some are environment and uh, habits, like you said. So um, very interesting. I like that. I might have to use that one. I don't know. I mean, I think. We're all addicted to, a, you know, whatever things or things that we do that maybe we could do differently. So I'm going to try to use that one. Just don't. It's easy. Yeah, no, it, it's yeah. handy. Again, it's just, you know, you don't, you just got to tell yourself who you want to be. Like, 
like everything you tell yourself about yourself. I'm not trying to become like some some mental guru here, but <laughs> every sense of, of who you are. So if I tell myself like, hey, I'm 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 someone who who eats healthy. Like if if every time I sit down for a meal, I'm like, I'm going to choose I'm going to choose a healthy meal because I'm a healthy person. Like it just makes sense. Like if I'm constantly just telling myself, well, well, yeah, that that's what I'm going to choose because it's just who I am. You're more likely to do it than if you just in your head like you don't feel like you're that person, but you're just going to try it. It's just not going to work. Like you have to start talking to yourself as if you already are who you want to be. It's crazy. It, it's so easy to say it. And like, you know, being 11 months on the diet, it was so easy to say no, to refuse it and do that stuff. But like during this month that I've had, I literally look at it like, fuck it. I'm going to eat this because I want this. Because I know that whenever it comes back in, like kind of the same similarity of what your dad was saying, oh, it's been seven days since I've chewed school. And to me, it's like, okay, I have seven days before I go on a diet. I have seven days before I go back to eating, you know, I'm restricting it to where I don't feel like this luxury. But it's, uh, it, but it's to the point where like, I want it now, you know, like, whereas before I was like, dude, I fucking hate this. I don't want to eat another, you know, limited food. I want to go out and eat all this stuff. I spent, I spent $400 on Girl Scout cookies because of that, that sensation, that feeling that I wanted when I was, you know, eating. Yeah. Don't worry about that. When I was eating healthy, like I, and I was craving, I couldn't have it and I knew I couldn't have it. I'm supporting family members, kids. I spent $400. I said I would do it. So I bet it's $400. And I, like, now it's like, dude, I don't even want this. Like, what do I do with this? Yeah. It's a lot. You got yeah. your fix on those uh, tag along. No. The, what kind are your favorite? I'm just curious. Okay. All right. I don't, I don't do caramel delights either. Everyone thinks that caramel, they, they keep saying it's the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. There are two different ones. Ones have more. No, no, I yeah, moral of the story is like just re- moderation. There you go. And I know, um, I don't know. I feel like that's what that that's what works for me, but not all the time. You know, I, like I said, I'm a cheesecake this week. I've had I, I spent $400 so I can start sending to every person that's on the podcast uh, a, a box of Girl Scout cookies. So I'm going to send you a box of Girl Scout cookies for your time, Tyler. Tyler's <laughs> Well, I like thin necks, whatever they call it. Well, Tyler, I I would love to pick your brain. Um, I will probably reach out to to you um, just because from what I have somebody who hmm, works on uh, my diet now, just started recently. However, after coming to Bio Accelerator, there's a lot of things that I need to change now that he's doing. Um, And he's great. However... um, I'm still going to utilize them to work out, but I'm going to use you for nutrition. So uh, mine's a lot different. So um, so I'll be reaching out. But uh, for all the listeners here, I want to let them know where they can find you and um, all your links and anything else that you want to share. Um, I wish we could keep him longer. He's so informative and you keep it real. Like it's like practical advice. It's not, you know, okay, this uh, grams. It's just like, hey. It's just real life stuff that everybody can relate to. It makes it easy. And I think if it's easy, people can can stick to it much easier. Absolutely. I think we can have a, a part two when everyone starts listening to this and we can we can come back to it and get uh, a better studio and lighting. But yeah, Tyler, let us know where we can find you on all your social media platforms and, and possibly your new YouTube channel that you're going to create. <laughs> so uh, uh, TylerMintonNutrition.com. Okay. Um, and that's also my Instagram handle. So Tyler Mitten Nutrition, and because of my accent, I'll spell it. So that T Y L E R M I N T O N Nutrition dot com, or you know, my Instagram is the same. I, uh, you know, like I, I get my DMs get flooded with questions, and I try to answer them. I used to answer every single DM that anyone ever sent me, and now it's just I, I'm flooded. But if you ask me a question on a post, I normally always answer it and I, I do pretty regular uh question and answer forums too where i, I get to everything because I, I love helping people for free too so so like i try to give as much free information on my instagram as possible because i never want uh you know like a, a financial situation to be the difference in being healthy 
you're not. So like I always try to put information out there that can benefit from even if they're not a client. I like that. That's why you're the best. You're the most entertaining. I love it. I just love it. Sorry, Julian. It's lagging over here at Columbia. You're all good. You're all good. But I love it. I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. We'll definitely have a, a, a number two. We'll add some stories for you. We'll add some um, content for you so you can share with your page. Um, and Kendra, thank you for taking time out of your day when you're relaxing in this beautiful hotel in is it Columbia? I thought you were in Costa Rica. No, Columbia, and I've got ten injections in this baby. I'm looking like a bear paw. Mm, no. Ten injections. I got ten injections in. Joint, joint, joint. Well, it's bad. Joint, 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 joint. And I'm just sitting there, and they're like, "You're very brave." I'm like, "I don't have any other choice." But it was, yeah. But the next day, because the stem cells, they're um, anyway. I can cut the thing. They'll cut it off after this. They're uh, they can form into any type of cell, so where there's damage. So that's what they do. So it's the stem cells working and spreading out, and yeah, they're working, boy, because it's swollen. So anyway, um. Okay, thank you, Tyler. We'll keep you. Um, yeah, I'll be emailing him, you know. Tyler, you're welcome. Just uh, use Beauty and the Beast podcast when you send it over there yeah. to Tyler Kendra. That way he knows that it was a referral by Julian Marquez. Hey, that's right. Get some the champions beat. over there. All, All right. right. Thank Have you so much. Night. We'll talk to you later, Tyler. Hey, guys. Thanks.